It's Thursday, June 18th, and we are studying 2 Peter. We've reached 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. And I want you to take a look at it now. As we get near the end of this book, it says, after all of these things about the promises that God is going to keep and the scriptures that can be uh, twisted and the punishment that's going to come on those who do that, it says, you therefore, beloved, <clears throat> verse 17, Knowing this beforehand, very important, take care, which is a bit of a weak translation, I hate to say, but I think it could be stronger than that, uh, that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, which has been a theme in this book. So a great little penultimate verse here before we end our uh, study of Second Peter. And a few things for us to observe. <clears throat> Let's just start with this. The idea that we are to take care or <clears throat> be on guard uh, in the middle voice in the Greek language that you are supposed to watch yourself, be careful, guard yourself, take uh, a vigilant stand against the things that have been dealt with in this book. Knowing this beforehand, <clears throat> and that by definition is a warning, right? When we are told beforehand of something that we got a guard for, well, that is what we define as a warning. And I just want to show you that this is a biblical godly thing. People may not care for it, uh, but the warnings are what happens when people care about you and they care about the danger in this world not getting to you and not pulling you, in this case, off of a place of stability in your Christian life. And I just want to go right to Jesus from Mark chapter 13. Look at what he says here in verse number five. Jesus, look at how this grammatically is described, began to say to them, which means he said it a lot, and you can look at it several times in this passage. I've got a couple examples here. But he says, see that, this is your responsibility, no one leads you astray. And that's the problem of being led off the path, losing your place of stability right in the center of the road. And he says, see to it that no one leads you astray. Later in this very same passage, this is Luke 13, now in verse number nine, he says, be on your guard. And they're going to be a lot of people. In this case, the obvious outsiders, uh, not just mockers and scoffers or false teachers, but people that are going to persecute you. They're going to deliver you over to the councils and they'll have you beaten in the synagogues, etc. Verse 23, uh, be on guard. And then, of course, as he's just making it very clear, this is a warning. I've told you these things beforehand. Be on guard. I have told you all these things beforehand. That is the picture. And I just one example. I just picked one you know, semi-randomly here of what we see throughout the Bible. And that is the Bible saying you're going to encounter certain things you need to be warned ahead of time. And I don't know that that's how most people like to live their lives. It's a word that we don't care much for, certainly in our day, it seems. But look at Proverbs chapter 14. A couple of uh, verses, a few verses in this chapter I thought were worth noting. This is what wise people do. This is how wise people live. The one who is wise is, here's a word, cautious. They're cautious, they're careful. And most people don't like to think that way. I've been, I've, even this last week dealing with so many people that just wanna say, well, if they love Jesus, right? If they got a Jesus t-shirt on, so to speak, well then everything's fine. Everyone lets their guard down when they see a church because it's a church and there's a Bible inside and there's a guy talking about the Bible. We don't like to live cautiously and yet wisdom is really about you being very careful. It's not becoming some kind of hypercritical person who finds every little scratch in everything that's good, but it is net recognizing there's danger. And we, well, there's evil out there, and there's evil in particular within the church and creeping into the church, sometimes unnoticed, as Jude put it. Uh, the fool, though, it says, this is a dumb person, a person that's not wise, is reckless 
and careless. They don't care about the things that we should care about as Christians. They're not as cautious as they ought to be. Now, take a look at verse number 8. This is out of order here. But in verse number 8, I won't go from verse 16 in Proverbs 14 to Proverbs 14, 8. It says, The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way. There's that reflexive kind of middle voice of this word to guard or take care. You're taking a look at yourself. Uh, that's the middle voice grammatically, right? You're, you're, you're thinking about how this affects you. You're discerning your way. But the folly of fools, right, is deceiving. And if you're not discerning your way, you might become a fool in following the fool into a path that is not where you ought to be. Look at verse 18 in this same chapter. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent one uh, the prudent, rather, are crowned with knowledge, which is the whole point biblically. There's information you need, information you need to respond rightly to. The knowledge is the thing that's going to keep you in check. I was dealing with some people yesterday calling into a program I was hosting, and they just, it just felt like the theme of the day was people, you know, they're, they're not reading their Bibles. They're not spending time in the scriptures. Uh, they don't think about it as a necessary spiritual discipline. And uh, of course, if you've sat under my teaching or you know my ministry, you know I'm always encouraging you to read through the Bible. You've got to read, read, read the Bible. You have to take it in. You have to understand the whole scope of God's word because it's that knowledge that's going to make you prudent. The prudent one discerns his way. The prudent one lives cautiously. And I know that you can take that to a place where you characterize that as something that is just seems ridiculous and unpleasant. But don't make a caricature out of someone who's living a wise, prudent life, which means that you can't trust every Christian book, quote unquote, Christian book that you see. You can't listen to every uh, radio station that happens to bear the name Christian or listen to every sermon from someone who claims to be a pastor preaching from the Bible. You have to be discerning. You have to be careful. And uh, that is not all that popular. But that really, as we come into a landing here for this epistle in Second Peter, is the point. I've given you this warning. I've let you know beforehand. So you ought to take care. You ought to guard yourself. You ought to be vigilant about the things that you let into your mind and your life. Now, I want to take this word here and just jump right back in to this phrase here and just make it clear that the word beloved should be the word that we ought to underscore in our own minds to know that when people warn us or they tell us to live cautiously or prudently, not that they do it, I suppose, they ought to do it out of a, um, a context of caring for your well-being. This is because they, they love you. And I think in this case, therefore, you therefore beloved i think we've seen trying to define the you know the subject of that is that love from god or is that love from peter in this case i think it's it's love from peter and of course you could extend that to think that it's love from god using peter to warn them but someone who loves you will be careful to warn you of danger i hope you know that if you've ever you know, parented a child, you recognize a lot of what you do is warning them of danger, warning them of things that can corrupt and can lead them off the path of whatever it might be, both physically and spiritually or intellectually or philosophically. And it's all because we care and we love. Paul, we could look at a ton of passages about his love for the people he ministers to in the epistles that he writes. But look at how he describes even proclaiming Christ. Him, Christ we proclaim. And the first word here, uh, nutheteo, we've dealt with this word in our study in Second Peter. But I think a good translation here, it's not a bad translation to say, well, that the aspect there is a warning. It's being careful. It's looking down the road and seeing that you can't just go wherever you want. We proclaim him warning everyone and teaching everyone. Uh, with all wisdom, because that's what wisdom is defined as in the book of Proverbs and elsewhere. So 
think about that, even the, just the uh, order of this, to say warning before teaching. If we were talking about, well, listen, I'm a minister of the gospel, or I'm a teacher of the Bible, or I'm a leader in a church, uh, we probably wouldn't think, well, the first way to describe that is he's always warning us. But that is a part of what we see as a priority in the teaching ministry of those who care for people. Now, does that always is that always well received? No. It'd be great to have a you know, a book like Second Peter or Jude be all filled with nice affirming things about stuff we already believe and stuff we already know. But the warnings are very important and sometimes they're not responded well to. Uh, Paul wrote a lot of things to the Corinthians that were hard. They were tough. They were good, big warnings. And he says in showing that he loves them, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Now, there is a context here I understand about some of the issues in Paul's ministry, but this is a good overall principle. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? And this is a rhetorical question. Of course, the answer is no. That's not how it should be, but that is how it was playing itself out in certain segments of the Corinthian church. Or Galatians, it couldn't be say, said any more firmly here in Galatians chapter 4, verse 16. He says, I then have become your enemy. This is another question, rhetorical question that I hope the answer is no. Have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? Right? Biblical ministry, like Peter's ministry to his audience or your discipleship of people in your life, your parenting, your even your interaction with your Christian friends, when you talk about things that are warnings for them, you can't just imbibe on any doctrine. You can't just follow any teacher. You just can't read any Christian book, undiscerningly at least. You need to be very focused on caring for what you believe. And sometimes you won't get a good response. And hopefully, like Paul, you will anticipate that and you will do what you can to show them, in this case, that you're willing to spend and that he talks about in Galatians how he is giving himself for them. They used to think about giving themselves sacrificially for Paul, but all that was being changed because he was coming on the scene to warn them. And I love the fact that in the former verse, a uh, couple verses we were dealing with Paul in his letters, and he calls him our beloved brother Paul. Remember that? And speaking of Galatians, where there was a confrontation and a warning about Peter being a hypocrite, and uh, yet they could get through that and understand those kinds of warnings and corrections as love. So I hope that's the case in your life, particularly when you hear some warnings from your preacher or your Christian friends. And what's the concern? Here's what he doesn't want to happen. You're not carried away with the error of lawless men. And we've seen a lot about this in chapter 2. They show the fruit of not being biblically uh, responsive in their own personal lives. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, we've quoted this several times, and I won't read the whole thing, but you'll remember that the founding offices here of apostles and prophets and the ongoing offices of the evangelists and the shepherds or pastors and teachers are there to equip the saints to build up the body of Christ until we obtained all these great things, the unity of the faith. We all believe the same things about what God has revealed, the knowledge right, of the Son of God that we're mature in the sense that the body of Christ is strong, like a body would be in manhood of a, of a human being, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I want to be like Christ. That you're no longer children, right? You, that, you, that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, here's the analogy, carried about by every wind of, and here's a word, it just means teaching, of teaching. 
by oftentimes, like 2 Peter 2 says, the human cunning, people trying to trick us, craftiness and deceitful schemes, and people are often trying to make a buck off of Christianity, and that is how it's so often explained in chapter 2 as we saw. But we need to realize that this is the problem. The winds are blowing. Sometimes hurricane gale force winds as people are trying to be knocked off the path of their spiritual growth. And all of this, I'm just trying to remind you, is the thing we talked about in the knowledge or the information or the wisdom that is given and is granted by your shepherds and teachers. So I hope you, I hope you have wise and discerning pastors that are building into your life. And if you're here at Compass, I hope that you sense that to be the case, that we're careful and thoughtful about the word and we want to make sure that we provide the word to feed you, to give you stability in the Christian life, that you're not driven and tossed by every cultural, whatever it might be, the, the, the sensation of the day or the idea of this particular generation or whatever it might be in this decade, the kinds of things that can move you off your stability. And a lot of times it's just warning of false doctrine false teaching that's more blatant than the subtleties of things I'm even intimating by those sentences there. Um, carried away by the air of lawless men. I just want to remind you that this is the enemy that's involved in all this. Here the Lord's servant, the pastor here, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26, reminds us that the kind of difficulty he's going to have with opponents that are going to try to undermine his proper, rightful, biblical teaching, uh, they are, it says here in verse 26, they, they need to escape the snare of the devil. So there's a uh, an enemy, an adversary that is fighting against sound doctrine and getting at the church. And we need to make sure that we realize that that is not just a battle of ideas, it's a battle of the truth with those uh, spiritual forces behind those that are, in this case, captured by the enemy to do his will. And that's all going to get around to the debates and the quarrels and things that we've got to make sure we don't get all entangled in. We got to keep preaching the truth and doing what is right and promoting the gospel. And there's so much more we could say about that. But let's keep moving on here. When it comes to being carried away by the error of lawless men, that was Peter's concern, you might remember, um, throughout this uh, epistle. And before we leave this idea, let's look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16, that reminds us how subtle this kind of deception can be as the enemy tries to get to uh, our own heart and get us off the path. It talks about twisting. The ignorant and unstable take the words of Paul, if they're hard to understand, and they work hard to twist them. I just think that's an important word because it reminds us it is not an all-out you know, anti-Christian thing. It doesn't come with a label that says, I'm against Christianity. And of course, it would be worth at least referencing quickly Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 16, that reminds us that these false prophets or false teachers are going to come in sheep's clothing. That means they look like Christians. They look like Christian material. The best-selling Christian books, might, it might make it to the best-selling list, which of course it often does, and it's not true biblical um, information, not true biblical feeding or nourishment for our souls. It's actually promoted oftentimes by ravenous wolves, and the ravenous part of that we've seen a lot of in Second Peter chapter 2. They're trying to work on the people in the church and utilize them for their own pleasure and gain. Uh, you'll recognize them by their fruits, which takes some time, right? People talk about, I don't want you to be a fruit, fruit inspector. Well, we have to be a fruit inspector, as Jesus said here, to make sure we're looking at the outcome of the lifestyles of these teachers. Uh, last line here, the, don't lose your own stability. And this should be not needing much comment because we've seen it so much through the book. We started the book this way in chapter 1, verse 10. 
least near the beginning of the book, it says we ought to be more diligent to confirm our calling and election, for if you practice these things, you will never fall. And that's the picture here, the analogy, the figurative language of falling or stumbling. And he's saying, I don't want you to lose your footing here. I don't want you to twist your ankle. And the idea of this is what the book started out as, and it's ending here with that same emphasis. And I just want to quote, too, something a little... Uh, you know, we've, we've referenced it several times in the middle of this book in chapter 2, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 14, talking about these false teachers. They entice, they're going after, here's the problem and the analogy, the figurative language continues, unsteady souls. Their hearts are unsteady, and he doesn't want that to happen. Let me remind you as we wrap this up today that 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 reminds us that you always need to be vigilant and cautious because even though you think, well, I would never fall and I can help people and I'll warn them, the Bible says if anyone thinks that he stands, better take heed lest he fall. I know we're often thinking in this passage about temptation of something other than doctrinal temptation, but there's doctrinal temptation that always seems to precede all kinds of behavioral temptation. So we need to be careful and remember that no temptation has overtaken you uh, except that which is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he'll provide a way of escape, which is what Second Peter is all about, that you'll be able to endure it. So you're going to have a lot of temptation to get off the path of sound doctrine, and I want to remind you that God knows those temptations, he governs those temptations, and you have the ability as you rely on Christ to overcome them. And if you think, well, that's not going to happen to me, that makes you the most vulnerable, vulnerable of all because verse 12 says if you think you are not capable of doctrinal error uh, and not just you know behavioral error but doctrinal error as well, uh, then you are the most vulnerable because you will fall. So be vigilant, be careful, be cautious uh, because you know it beforehand. Take care, be guarding your life and don't be carried away with the error of lawless men, of people that show that they're not sound teachers and lose your stability in Christ. All right, one more verse tomorrow. We'll get to it and uh, wrap up our study of Second Peter.